Thanks for listening to NYC. You can catch us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and other streaming platforms. Be sure to check our social media page on Twitter and Facebook. And like always, we appreciate our guests, family, friends, and you, the listeners. Okay, let's get right into it. Um, Scott Ligo, president of Student Athletes Advocates, and uh, Dory Bennett, uh, teacher, tennis coach, and comes from the great Bennett football family. Welcome, guys. How are you guys doing? We are good. Doing well, doing well. Great to hear everybody again as we continue in, you know, COVID and isolation. So let's get right to it. We, we've got a subject here that uh, obviously affects both of you and uh, and the students. And it's now the WIAA has now mentioned that there are going to be four seasons this upcoming school year. And a lot of a lot of the student athletes are going to be affected by it. So let me just bring them out real quick. The four seasons, uh, the first season starts September 7th through November 8th. We'll deal with that first. And that's going to be cross country, slow pitch softball, girls swim and dive, golf and tennis. And this is supposed to be alternative season, which I need some explanation because I don't know what that means. Um, for those sports, though, that they're they're saying that their postseason will be in season four, which happens in all in April through June. I'm very confused. Just getting into season one, yeah. we already know that the obvious thing is that football is not on that season one. That's moved down to season three, and we'll get into that in a minute. But let's go with season one. Uh, can someone explain to me what does alternative season mean for golf and tennis? Well, uh, in the past, it has meant that there are some teams and some conferences that compete in the fall for their regular season, and then they come back to season to the end of the year, which used to be spring season. Now is season four for their tournament season. So. For example, with tennis, um, boys, 4A tennis, 4A tennis for boys is in the fall, currently uh, in the past. It's been in the fall. As well as smaller conferences like 1A has boys and girls have both been in the fall. So they have a season, and then after they've played their conference schedule, then they stop their season. And they pick it back up in the spring because that's when the uh, conference, district, and state playoffs are. And again, we're talking about, I can speak specifically for tennis, and they do the same thing for golf. So there's one state championship. So reaching out to the athletic directors, four different athletic directors, about this alternative season, uh, some have said it's, it's as it's been in the past, meaning what I just explained. And then others have said that if you have normally had your season in the spring, which is now season four, that late spring season, now there would be a choice as to whether or not you want to have it in the fall or the spring. None of this is confirmed. I'm just saying that, again, with all of these tentative dates and this modified sports season, we don't know yet what that will look like. Uh, as a tennis coach, I want my season to start and end in the same season, meaning regular season and tournament play should all be enveloped into one. Scott, um, the WIA, the executive board, uh, they're creating benchmarks uh, and I believe it's uh, Tuesday, July 28th. Um, they're going to meet in order to see if season one is actually going to take place. And if these benchmarks are not met, the board will plan to move the remainder of fall sports to um, season three. Now, real quick, season two is basketball, bowling, boys swim and dive, gymnastics, cheerleading, and wrestling. That's from January to March. And season three is volleyball, girls soccer, boys soccer, and football. Um, first off, let's talk about if there is not a season one 
and all the sports being moved uh, to season three. What does that do to the student athlete, especially the the juniors and seniors that are planning, whether it's for college or what their next steps are? What does that do by putting all the seasons together in the time frame that uh, an organization like yourself uh, working with uh, student students and parents through these eligibility processes? What does that do to a strain of time uh, for you guys? Well, ultimately, you know, well, it, it condenses everything quickly and forces these situations to, you know, um, change immensely. I mean, you know, the, 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 the kind of the thing going in the recruiting world is it's going to be the year of the decommitment. These kids are going to commit to these schools, never being on campus, never really getting a chance to get to know the coaches and then get there and then realize this isn't the fit or get, I'll finally get an official visit, get, go there and say, ah, this is really isn't me and I'm out of here and, or the transfer portal. You know, I can use two examples right now for football, this, that, this next year, uh, Julian Simon out of uh, Lincoln high school is going to for, foresee his senior year and go straight to USC and enroll early. Sam Heward's come out and said he is not going to do that. He's going to stay on and wants to play his senior year, which to be quite frank and honest with you, I, I was pretty shocked by that whole scenario. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm also applaud that Sam wants to spend his last year with his, his guys. I mean, I, I get it. And, you know, they're, they're a very talented team and, and uh, have a lot of good football players on it. So I, I can appreciate all that piece, but, uh, you know, to, to be honest with you, I mean, the NCA really hasn't definitively set up. There's a plan. Uh, you know, we were talking just off the air right before, you know, we know August 31st is the, you know, the recruiting period still open and, you know, you can do it, but I think they're going to have to extend that. Um, and I think then they're going to have to do a lot of changes. And I think we're just going to, it's an anomaly year and they're going to have to be very flexible in how this whole thing happens. But, uh, Ultimately, I think it's, you know, if you can't get the campus, you can't get on, on places, uh, I think it's hard on, on both sides. I'm not saying it's easy for the for the college coaches either. I mean, they want to bring these kids in and um, that side not seen and uh, dealing with and having no real film on them, i.e. if you use football, for example, because they won't play till the spring. Um, that's tough. And uh, but uh, for, for the student athletes, um, it's it's the shortened time, shortened season and uh, really, you know, Pandora's box out there, and I, I would not, um, you know, want to exactly be in their shoes. But I think they've got to make great decisions and really think this thing through. Yeah, having been through uh, seniors losing their season and uh, the impact that it has, not only as on the individual student athlete, but also on the team in general, uh, has been an interesting experience because we we have. We, we had eight seniors on our tennis team and legitimately one was looking at going and playing in college and not having a season with a record, right? Which is win loss record and how far we may have gotten in that as well as all of the USTA tennis tournaments and UTR rated tournaments that have been canceled have greatly impacted, um, coaches being able to see and players being able to show what they're capable of and and that they you know could play at a higher level because these UTR ratings are really what drives in tennis what really drives uh, coaches to recruit a player yeah absolutely when you think about AU basketball the exact same thing you know um, that's it's kind of how the whole season goes I talked to Paulo Bancaro's father just recently, you know, there, there's still hope that there's a late Vegas tournament still, but, you know, basically Paulo, who's, you know, one of the top five players in the country. So it's not really impacting yeah. him, but those kids, those fringe guys, though, we use the star number system, the, the, the three-star kids that are football guys who really needed, who really needed their senior year, aren't going to have it for a film evaluation and things like that. And then these coaches, you know, they're probably just going to go with what they know and who they, you know, trust and, who they believe that's what they're going to do. So um, it's, you know, some of those kids are going to miss out on some opportunities. Well, for a lot of those kids, you know, so many of those players and student athletes, for those that aren't D one players, maybe they're going D two or D three, which are great opportunities as well. I know for sure that Whitworth college, Whitworth university and the conference they play in, they have moved football to the spring Mm -hmm. as well as, as well as soccer. 
which my nephew is a soccer player there. So all of that's already been moved to the spring, which could, I mean, I think, as you said, Scott and, and Will, there are some positives to all of this. And that is that people will figure out a way to make it work if it's important to them. They'll figure out a way to make it work. You know, you talk about, um, you know, conferences moving to the spring, the President's Athletic Conference, that's a D3 conference. They've already postponed football to the spring. All D3, uh, yeah. The, the yeah. South Atlantic Conference, D2. Uh, they're delaying the start of competition for fall sports until September 26th. We would, you know, being, uh, they've uh, voted to uh, wait till the week of September 21st at the earliest. And uh, a state, you know, Michigan State, uh, after a second staff member and one student athlete has tested positive for COVID-19, the team has decided to quarantine for 14 days. Um, yep. that, that is now, now we're not talking about a smaller school or D3. We're talking about Michigan State Spartans. Um, and we know how uh, tough that conference is with Penn State and Michigan and Wisconsin. And you have one of these you know, powerhouse schools uh, shutting it down for at least 14 days. Um, what do you think the ramifications will be um, for the, the team if they can't get going soon? And I'm being, you know, I'm being hopeful, but, you know, highly doubtful that they're trying to do this for the fall. Um, what, what are the ramifications of shutting that down again? Oh, it's, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's, you know, as, um, anybody that's ever been involved with sports, I mean, you have a schedule, a system set up. It's a lot different this year than it has been in the past. I, you know, um, most coaches, college football coaches would be, uh, vacationing right now in July and coming back ready for August. But now you have six weeks, quote unquote, to start for the season. You can get this stuff in. Um, I think well, two for sure uh, have postponed their, um, you know, pre- preseason. The ramifications are huge to any time you miss out any period of time, period. I mean, I don't care running and lifting. And then in that time, they're going to try to see who, you know, does test positive and negative. And then how does it affect? I mean, if, uh, you know, if your quarterback talk about colleges, well, that's a big, you know, that's a big concern. And, uh, you know, uh, we've talked, you know, my stepson is a, you know, the special teams coordinator at Penn State, and we were just talking about it, developing second-hand guys. Because I'm gonna have all the centers start snapping, and you know, and the any athlete component. I mean, you got you got to think these things through. You better have a backup plan to the backup plan. But the implications are huge, I feel. And uh, um, you know, I know uh, Dory's dad and you know brother, are, you know, were you know coaches, and you know. You tell them to change their schedule and see how that works with those two. They're not going to like it either. So it's just, uh, it's hard. It's really, yeah. really hard. Coaches, I mean, from college to any level of college to high school, are they all want, you know, they, the system, they like having systems, as we all know. They like having routines. And, and the players do as well. Um, but I think the situation at Michigan State is, uh, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. And they're, they're just the ones that have become, that have come public with this. But look at what happened at Clemson when they had to shut it down because, during, during uh, June. Look at what's happened to other major universities that have had to shut it down. And again, it just feels like if you can't, that, that we, there are so many unknowns with COVID, so many unknowns. And the cost of testing and the fact that the NFL players were not going to report, not one of them was going to report until testing was every day. And you got the results back. And the owners have that kind of money. But what about the colleges and universities that don't have anywhere from seven to 10 days? Well, by that time, you could test naked. You could in the time you were tested and when that test results come back. So I don't think this should be a surprise. What they were doing, now they're going into these 14 days of quarantine and they're making housing and food and all these people pieces almost like a bubble. Almost like a bubble. Yeah. I, you know, to, to jump on what Dory's saying, I mean, I heard a podcast this week and they talked about 
the cost. And, and I, and I, I always, you know, bring it back down to where I used to coach at the high school level, but the NFL has come out with the number of $75 million for it to be the cost to cover this testing during the season. $75 million. I mean, how's, how high school, most high schools don't even have 750 bucks in their budget, let alone yeah, 75 million. Yeah. You mean, and, uh, and all of a sudden now you're responsible for all your kids and to make sure they're clean and, uh, you know, we've talked about it before on this show and then, you know, and privately, you know, I mean, now I've got some high school junior who wants to help out our program and they're responsible for cleaning the training room, making sure everything's clean. The water bottles are sanitary and all that kind of stuff. I, 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 I just, I cringe at the thought of having yeah. to keep all those controls and making sure that all that stuff's done, let alone the NFL, as we all know, uh, you know, have, have a unlimited coffers and 75 million is, you know, easy for them to knock out but the, the you know with what Dory's saying is mean the power five guys pretty much can do it but you know if we're being honest i mean look at look at wazoo i mean they're 100 million in the hole right now yeah um they're talking maybe 112 out of the hole coming out of this pandemic and maybe even worse i mean how i don't i don't understand how you can do it and what you're saying Dory, is totally what i what i think too is is the seven days seven to, seven to ten days return on the test and the disaster could be happening. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, which, you know, if there, there's just there's just so many things you just can't control. And the cost is one of them. And I don't know. I don't know who's putting the bill, but I don't know who uh, yeah. this is going to happen. Well, so. speaking and of the choice. Speaking of the yeah, cost, uh, uh, Washington yeah. University, uh, St. Louis, uh, Washington University in St. Louis, uh, Professor Louis, yeah. uh, Patrick Reich uh, estimates that the Power Five conferences will lose a collective $4 billion, Four billion. which comes out to about $62 million per school if there's not a football season. And that's not including the money loss uh, from TV, from merchandise. That's just... Um, if they don't play and what's a little bit scary. And if I have a kid in school playing, um, the NCA just recently said that, um, they, they don't have to retest infected players for three months unless they show symptoms. So we're seeing a correlation about, and you just mentioned it about the $75 million that the NFL is going to spend. But if the NCAA says, all right, you guys, uh, you, you tested positive already. We're not going to retest you for at least um, three months unless you show signs. Uh, it sounds like they're doing a workaround that, that expense. That's so irresponsible. That is so irresponsible. If I'm the parent of a student athlete and that's the way that my kid's university where he's choosing to play, we're, we're gone. We're out. That's the most irresponsible statement I have heard because what's a life worth? Way more than any of the money we're talking about. That absolutely. is absolutely the most irresponsible statement, far enough, and there have been a lot by the NCAA. Yeah, but I, I would even like what you know Will was saying. I mean, that you know, if you're trying to bypass that thing, and uh, the way I read it, the the article that I read, I, I didn't see the CDC, the you know whoever give their holy graces to the whole thing. It was just, it was just those guys saying they're going to do go this route. I mean, is, you know, are the colleges and the college coaches thinking about the herd mentality and just going for it? I mean, I, I just don't see and how it's going to work, man. I just don't. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I, my kid would be out of there too. Man, losing uh, today again, lost more respect for the CDC and, and makes me feel like there are, uh, there's a lot of political hands in on with the CDC, and now they're in bed with them because of what I heard about what they're what they are saying can happen for schools in general. It came out this morning, mm-hmm. and that yeah. is send them, and in some cases not even with masks wearing. Like, I can't even believe uh, that. Well, came you got to remember, the CDC, there's, there's, and it did. there's definitely uh, there's different people now heading the CDC. Because uh, yep. certain people lost their jobs sure and are. have st- uh, stepped down, um, and yeah. we see what's happening in Florida, um, which almost feels like an experiment. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm being assumptuous, and and I don't, you know, I'm not trying to start conspiracy theories, but seeing what what they're doing and how they're not shutting down, and how all you know their hospitals at full capacity. 
it almost yeah. feels like this is an experiment to see if an, enough people are being infected, if uh, what, how they're right. going to recover. I, I have no idea, right? But, you know, it doesn't make sense when you see what's going on, what's going on with the people. Uh, I have a lot of family down in you Florida. You have family in Florida. And, and yeah. we have family that um, their child have incredibly dangerous conditions and they pretty much have their child locked up and they can't yeah. even understand why they're going through what they're going through but it's a uh, it's very very scary for everyone and no matter what side of it you know and you know we have conversations not to get political but um there's a lot of left and there's a lot of right and not enough in the middle and um, and common sense has kind of, you know, feels like it's gotten thrown out the window and you just turn on your tube or your social media, it's whatever the case may be. And you're just kind of riding the wave or whatever uh, information um, is being pumped into your timeline. And uh, we need to start using some common sense, uh, whether you believe it or not. Why wouldn't you take the safe route anyway? And it seems like exactly. these uh, student athletes in these uh, NCAA um, are just kind of finding a way to kind of get the product back on the field so the pockets don't get uh, too empty. Yep. Hey, uh, I know we were talking NFL a little bit earlier, and uh, the first NFL player has decided to opt out. The offensive lineman for the for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Morant Dugevne, uh, has decided to opt out. I think that He's was yesterday, right? Pool. He made that announcement yeah, yesterday. They, I actually, officially, uh, there were rumors about it yesterday, and uh, possibly it broke yesterday. It possibly broke yesterday. I just saw it this morning. Uh, he's on the board of a company that that uh, um, I've been working with, and so it was interesting. It's not surprising because he's working at a long-term healthcare facility. And the average age is 80 years old of the of the location where he's working up in Canada. He's Canadian. So that came out. And he said that Andy Reid had been 100% supportive of the decisions and the choice that he made uh, in order to continue to do what he feels is right and making the right decision. And that is to be on the front lines with COVID. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, the same so, thing's going to apply. Yeah. Same thing's going to apply with baseball and and NBA. You know, if it if it starts to run rampant, it would be very interesting. What's the young Phillies or the the, the 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 Washington kid that came down to what the the night of the you know opening night? You know, um, they're with their star player. Rizzo, yeah. Did you see that Rizzo had uh, hand sanitizer, and he was giving it to anybody. Right, they were laughing also about yeah. that. Yeah, wasn't that awesome though? That, I mean, that let, was. let's be real. Let's be real. And and the umpire as well. So you know, uh, making it real for everybody. I just got an update. Uh, the Seahawks made a blockbuster trade for safety Jamal. Wow! Yep, that is amazing. Blockbuster trade. Uh, we, we'll have to. We have to. And how much did they give up? Because I did not think that that would happen. A lot of Jet Got fans right are going to be very, very upset. Uh, I have a lot of Jet fans, uh, friends. Uh, excuse me. Let me try to talk uh, correct English. I have a lot of friends <laughs> that are Jet fans uh, back in New York, especially in the Long Island area where I did a lot of work. Okay. Um, and they, the heart and soul of that team was Jamal Adams and they can't stand yep. Adam Gaze. They can't stand Woody well. Johnson. Well, I'm not going to, we're not going to do politics, but they can't stand <laughs> Woody Johnson for multiple reasons. Um, and this is just, so, this is going to be the last straw yep. for so a lot of these for fans. Adam Gaze, for, uh, yeah. No, no. So I, 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 yeah, I, I think they're going to keep Adam Gaze, you know? Well, they are because if they were going to get they rid made of them, a they decision, if they would have already done it. So here's here, here's the. Would you like the? Yes, go ahead. Particulars. Yes. Okay. Seahawks dealt veteran safety Bradley McDougal. Bye, Bradley. Twenty twenty one first round pick. 
Oh, they got uh, and a 2021 first round pick, a 2022 first round pick, and a 2021 third round pick for Adams, who stated he wanted to be traded over disputes with team ownership, no new contract, and uh, that that, that sounds Adam like Gase. a good deal for both sides. To be honest with you, issues uh, for Adam Gase. So. They got two first and a third uh, out of that for the Jets. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, Bradley, um, they'll find a way to utilize him. But Jamal Adams is a difference maker. He's a program changer. He will, he will, pull, he will get that defense back up. For uh, 10 years. I mean, that's the, the type of player. And, yeah. and that's, what, that, that's what infuriates fans. Uh, hard to give up on guys like that. You know, when, when you have these, you know, type of players that change the game. And, yep. um, but I, I think there was time for him to go. And I'm pretty sure after this past week, I'm not sure if you guys heard Jamal Adams pretty much rip the coaching staff and ownership and management. I'm pretty sure Woody Johnson called and said, get him out of here. I don't care to figure it out. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, He was trying to push to the Dallas Cowboys because he is from Texas, but uh, he did mention that uh, Seattle would be quite fine. I'm pretty sure playing with Pete and high-flying and high-fiving and uh, young Pete that's, you know, closer to to 80 than 20, but he he sure acts like 20. Seahawks announcements are coming left, right, and sideways. Russell and Ciara had their baby. Yes, yes. Yeah. Hey, hey, Scott. Um, um, they're going to continue the discussion on August fourth, and the resolution had to do NCAA championships. And um, this is the same group that canceled sports on March twelfth. Um, we'll see what happens, but. The Peach Bowl CEO, Gary Stokin, said that his organization uh, won't host any kickoff games if fans are not permitted to attend, citing economic reasons. <laughs> so um, they're slated, uh, slated to host three games. And, you know, we're looking at um, playoff ramifications. And I'm pretty sure he's not the only one that's saying if we can't get fans in, we're not going to do playoff games. What kind of pressure does that put on the Board of Governors? And do you think... Because that was recently. Do you think that is one of the reasons that they decided to table it for another two weeks and come back and decide what they're going to do with fall sports? Absolutely. I think that they're, I mean, uh, you know, going back to the, from when we started this whole thing, this whole conversation, I mean, the influx that changes by the minute, by the hour are changing. And I think that uh, nobody's really sat down and thought this plan through. And so I think that's the biggest issue. I mean, like you just said, I mean, the bowl implications, um, how is that going to be handled? How is, you know, how, you know, what's, what's really a championship going to look like? How does it work if, you know, the Big Ten only plays, you know, nine games and the rest of everybody plays 12 and the numbers. And if you're in conference and I know the Pac-10 officially hasn't announced what they're going to do. Um, so I think that, that the implications down the road to the bowl games are huge. And so, how can they really make a concrete plan? So I think that, uh, unfortunately, you know, as we've uh, seen in a lot of this stuff, there's a lot of just kicking down the kicking down the can when it comes to leadership, waiting for really for the the big person to or somebody to say we're going to stop this and we're going to move on or we're going to um, you know we're going to go with the season and uh, we'll figure out the you know uh, algorithms and how people can be part of the playoffs and the money, but. You know, going back to what you said, sixty-two million dollars is a lot of money. Uh, you know, for every team to lose, so I'm the season, you know, the seasons uh, would be big. You know, you know, from that for that reasons. So I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. Very interesting. Dory, yeah. have you have you heard anything from yeah. uh, from the Pac-12 there? Uh, I know uh, Larry Scott is saying that he's uh, fully recovered uh, from COVID, but uh, have you? And um, some of the decision makings that might happen, obviously, it, do, it, it becomes irrelevant in all sports to the spring. But if they were to uh, stay the course, have you heard anything? Uh, they're staying really quiet. Uh, I talked to a couple of coaches and they 
And so they're just saying that we don't have any new information. I know there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes as well as uh, trying to figure out from the financial standpoint what, what to, how do we cover our losses? And if we can't have fans in the stands, what ha, do we even have a season? And so I think they're trying to look at all those different, a few different scenarios with, like we talked about last time, on how to schedule the Pac-12 with conference only. Then there will be flex Saturday, no Thursday, no Thursday or Friday games. Flex Saturday, which gives you the opportunity to make up a game that was missed if a team had a player that and you had to reschedule that game. So that's what it looks like right now. Comes down with the our conference, the PAC conference, and and the Big Ten put put their foot down and just make those decisions. Make the hard decisions. Be the leaders understanding that you're putting your student athletes first and the health and well-being of our students student athletes 100% needs to be taken more into consideration well going on what you just said Dory though I mean just think about I mean Wazoo has already come out and already said they're doing everything online so there'll be no fans in the stands I mean that's, same with UW same yeah, with UW I mean, you know but they've not I mean, said it yeah the schooling is the school is 100% remote they didn't even look at what Stanford is doing, which I think is brilliant. Whitworth University, all freshmen and sophomores living on campus, and they will have students in the buildings. Uh, but they're a much smaller university. What is Stanford you know, they doing? Have like, well, Stanford has a they, – they've taken their academic year from three quarters and turned it into four quarters, and only two classes – will be able to be on campus and go to class in person. And the, the others will need to be learning remotely. Each class gets two quarters. Freshman class gets fall quarter and another quarter. To actually go in and have face-to-face instruction with teachers. Um, seniors get spring quarter for sure and another quarter. Uh, as far as living on campus, generally that's just underclassmen anyway. And so it might, I think it'd be great. And housing wise, they're looking at keeping all freshmen on campus, okay, spreading them out and sophomores only also, but having freshmen and sophomores, uh, on campus at different times that you don't have them. Like they're on camp, I'm sorry, they're on campus the whole time. You don't have them leave and come back. Okay. Once you move into campus, you're there. You're there. And then they also, uh, once Thanksgiving hits, then they don't come back till January. So they're making some smart accommodations. Yeah. Scott. What um, about, what, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. No, I was I was saying. I mean, I, I'd be interested to learn what more the rest of the conferences are thinking, and the USC's, UCLA's, and you know, um, the rumor on the street is that if Arizona doesn't have a season, the uh, University of Arizona, that that staff's going to be let go. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of scary to think that ultimatum is put, put, wow. put to you. What what's so, going to be let go? A program? No, the, just the the staff would be let go. The, st- the staff. That doesn't if, make any sense. If, if the season is not done, staff? well, they I were know. kind of like they were on. They were kind of on. I mean, they're on. You know, they're on their bubble year, quote unquote. And so that's kind of the rumor on the street that if that doesn't happen, then that's Arizona's going to do it. Obviously, for cost cutting, savings, blah blah blah, all those things. But I mean, I, I also think. Uh, oh my the god! Legal, legal side of that, that to the other end. Oh. Like, how can you be let go for? you know, a pandemic when you had nothing to do with it. So, I mean, there's some really interesting pieces of that whole thing. There's still, but that's the rumor. That's a rumor on the street. Yeah. Well, Arizona, I mean, they, st- first of all, they're not going to, they won't, they, they're still going to have to pay their staff the salary. If you let them go. Okay. So that's still money going out the door. Then you have another whole set of salaries for the staff that you hire that's coming in. 
Oh, financially, yeah. that yeah. makes no sense. I heard you. Seriously, financially, that makes no sense. It, it'll make sense if a professor if a professor is about to make tenure, it makes sense to let him go. Because once he makes tenure, uh, then you fall into a different category, and then it's almost impossible to get rid of them without major repercussions. So I could see those type of professors uh, maybe being on the short end of it uh, because of <laughs> certain situations like that. But they're just talking football staff. They're not talking staff as in teaching staff and professors, are they, Scott? No, no. It, it, no, it's just, just strictly it, football. No, but I, I, I understand what Will's saying. I mean, you, well, you're I talking about cost uh, of cost cutting. It would make sense to get rid of a professor if he's just about to get to that next tier, and there's not much you can do to him after they make tenure. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, again, I think there's a lot of implications with the whole thing. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, when it first came to me, I was like, oh, wait a minute here. How can you just be let go? Number one, with something that had nothing to do with you, that, you know, no, no yeah. control of the pandemic. I think, I think my biggest point to the whole to the whole comment when I heard it was, man, the legal implications of that would be just ridiculous. Well, besides what you're saying, the financial only, is dumb. Yeah, you know, but only if there's something else going on behind the scenes. Yeah, that could be considered a yeah. a fireable offense. And, and I'm not saying there is, but that financially, if your school, that, that absolutely makes no financial sense. That's why WSU is in the hole they're in. Yep. They're paying coaches that aren't coaching there anymore. Absolutely. Uh, unless the plan so, is to get rid of the program overall. And then it makes sense. If you're talking about coaches, if they're going to turn around and football. say Arizona football is just not worth financially to keep, uh, on the books and you fire these coaches, then now we think that that's the next uh, shoe to drop. Lose, but then, like any other major college, major university, you are losing, man, the number one revenue-producing sport uh, program. Uh, other, other programs have done it, and they've done it for economic reasons. And um, in about Not five to ten years, yes, a, a D1, yes, 100%. What, D, what, what Power 5 D1 school has done No, it? I didn't say Power 5, but, oh. <laughs> but we do not know their books. So if we're going to have a discussion, then we have to, without knowing the numbers in front of us, we have to think about if a university is going to make a decision to get rid of their football staff. Do not be surprised if they're thinking about ending the program overall. And that's all I'm saying. If we're saying it doesn't make sense, this is where I, how I'm trying to make sense of it is that they're yeah. thinking long run, we're going to be, we're getting out of this business of football because it's just not worth it. So we'll see. Well, there's, well, there's even a bigger question to the whole thing that we've talked about the last episode when we were talking about Larry Scott. You know, your you really boy think about it. The, the, well, yeah, is is <laughs> the Pac-10 itself is I mean, the Pac-12 now is it irrelevant. We're on the left, you know, left side. Nobody really pays attention. We're the last game of the of the thing. We 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 all three know how the financials have worked for the league. I mean, the Pac-12 is the, the, has the worst, you know, contracts. We're not even on some stations uh, or services. I mean, it's it's a disaster. If you really think about it from that perspective and the one. If you were to say the national program, USC, has been struggling for the last 10 years. And so when you don't have that limelight and stuff like that, that these, these trickle-down implications of what you're saying will kind of start to, you know, snowball a little bit. Is it really worth it? Are we really getting – I mean, uh, you and I, we've all watched an Arizona game late in the year. There's not a lot of fans at those games. No. It's not like, it's not like UW games or, you know, or, you know a, a really good USC football team where the price is packed. Even the Rose Bowl, no matter what we you can see on a Saturday, I don't care if USC's or UCLA's rolling or not. There's usually the end zones are completely empty, and so it's a hard draw. Uh, you know, yeah, the the the, the Pac-12 is in a very interesting situation right now. If you really think about it, I mean, Oregon's basically the one that maybe in the national light and light talk about maybe has a chance to get to the playoffs. USC has the athletes we know about, but can Clay, you know, get him over that? Can he get him over the hump? Can he make it? And you're talking about bringing in a whole new defensive staff there. I mean, there's a lot of questions down at USC before you could say they're back on the rise and they're ready to go. I mean, part of me, in some house, part of me is like, I really wanted to see the USC Alabama game beginning of the year, 
But if I'm USC, if I don't know, if I no, it, it was going to be game. ugly. That game would have been ugly. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, so, I mean, again, you're put in the national spotlight. It's Labor Day weekend. Uh, you're going to be right on the, you know, five o'clock game in Jerry's world. You're going to be shown and you're going to get your rear end kicked from one end of the side to the other. And it would have been just, again, there's our product right there in the front front row. And they're going to go, well, back to us really not much. Look at that. That's the, that's the, you know, the team that's been there forever. So that's just the, the mindset sometimes of the national perspective on us and in, in, in the Pac-12 out here, in my opinion. So, again, yeah, and yeah, listen, I, and who knows? Maybe maybe that's uh, another way of uh, trying to put some pressure on uh, because you know there's been conversations about moving Larry Scott out. Maybe that's just a, another way also to say, hey, we need to you know reevaluate this and if we don't change the direction we're going we're going to have to cut our our staff or, or or lose the program or something like that so maybe this is another way to bring up that conversation about changing the direction of the pac-12 and getting larry scott out and trying to get some new fusion and uh and new blood in here with some new ideas to try to elevate the pac-12 well the last time they wanted to change the direction of the pac-12 it was still the pac-10 and they tried the Pac-12 commissioner and everybody. They tried to get teams in here that would have added to the strength of the Pac-10 when they went Pac-12 because you had to have a conference championship and you had to have at least 12 teams in your conference in order to have the conference championship. So the school that they went to said, "Yeah, no, we're not going there." And there were some high-end. You know, Texas was being looked at, Oklahoma, to come and be a part of the Pac-12 because the Big Ten, or excuse me, the Big 12 was going out in flames and restructuring. So, and and some of those schools went to the SEC, right? Texas A&M, Missouri, those guys left. Nebraska went to the Big Ten. So, with all of that changed the last time it happened. And well, it's smart Colorado for Texas, right? Utah, because they, yeah, they got their own network out of it and didn't have to deal with the Pac-12 network. So, they, you know, it goes back to right. the schools had the it vision to say, to the- I'm not going in there because they want to do X, Y, and Z. Why are we going to do that? We're going to lose money by going exactly. to the Pac-12. Exactly. So, so then getting in teams like Colorado and Utah, and I will just tell you that neither of those schools, neither of those schools made the Pac-12, Pac-10 tougher. Not Neither one of them brought it good. good well, you you could you could argue that the, that Utah's the best team in the Pac-12. You could have that argument. Yeah, well, I, I I don't see them as the best, but that's fine. You're right. Somebody could argue that that they are because why? Because they were in the Pac-12 championships. Well, they 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 yeah, consistently well, they're win. But they're in the South. The Pac-12 South, we already know, is weaker than the Pac-12 North. So yeah. That's my well, I mean, if 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 if, <laughs> if if USC was who they should be, it would be a hands down. It'd be over. I mean, USC yeah, that all comes down to leadership. That comes it down would, to leadership yeah. at the AD and who you've been hiring as a head coach. Like, come on, that I I think. So you're right. You're right. SD should be there. SD should be there. Doria, year in and year out. I got a yeah. question for you about uh, this upcoming season for high school with sure. uh, the tennis alternative season. And we already yeah. know that Seattle Public Schools is going 100% online um, for the foreseeable future, which I don't know what that means, right? I mean, uh, for the fall, the winter, the, for the whole school year. But let's just deal with the fall. Uh, everyone's going to be 100% <laughs> online. Um, their parents are going to have kids jumping on top of their heads as they're doing their Zoom calls and going all over the place. Uh, I mean, it's it's just it's comical, and and it's just yeah. funny. Um, my wife was telling me about a conversation that she was having um, with one of her staff members, and they were literally hiding in their closet. They had pillows set up in the closet. They closed the door to hide away from kids. I swear, I'm not making this up. We had this conversation today, and. And, and they, she was like, you kidding me? She was like, no. And she put on the video and she, and she was inside her dark closet. She was like, yeah, look, I'm inside my closet. And, and they were like, this is fine. This is absolutely great. Yeah. And, this, you know, we and right. it's just a reminder to us, you know, our kids are older now, so we're not dealing with those issues. We still have to deal with issues, you know, getting them ready for school and everything else, but not at the little kid level, because I can't even imagine having, you know, six, seven, eight-year-olds, five-year-olds, four, three-year-olds running around. <laughs> 
as you're trying to work. Anyway, as I digress, <laughs> I know. We, as we talk about the possible alternative tennis season, one, yeah. um, is that something that you would be interested in doing? Is that something that you can do? Is this something that your high school will allow you to do? Is what what are yeah. the do, do you know what's happening? What are the ramifications? Have you had those conversations uh, with the school if they're going to allow these things? And would you want to do that? Yeah. Well, I uh, you, you know how bad. Thank you, Will. The, the, those are great questions, and I would love to have the conversation and entertain the thought of of having our tennis season in the fall because we we locked it in last spring. And, and and so I would love to have it in the fall and in the spring, have this fall be the makeup season from the spring that we missed, and then, then get right back on schedule and have tennis in the spring for the 2021, for the 21 season. When do you have these conversations and, since we know the dates already? I'm sorry. When when do you have these conversations about the program uh, now, with your school like, and like, with everyone else? Is that happening this yeah. week, or what's going on with that? Well, I sent an, an email to the commissioner of our tennis of Metro Tennis, Tracy Huffer, and uh, with those questions and with uh, getting some feedback from the other coaches. I'm on the I'm on the coaches, the Metro 3A coaches committee. I guess tennis committee for any for better lack of a better name and so these are some of the items that the three there are three of us coaches that are on it and the commissioner will get together and have a conversation on uh so i sent out an email asking people what their input was what their thoughts are and i i say yes let's go for it as long as we can have the tournament in the same season in which we play that's the one caveat that I think is important. And we'd have to have indoor facilities, which is what we had to have in the spring anyway, when the spring would rain. So I see that as a positive. Uh, one positive that, that others see for the spring, for season four, so that late spring season, uh, another positive there is that we wouldn't, have to re- we wouldn't have to schedule around three different spring breaks, which is what our conference does. Because there are Catholic private schools, there are non-Catholic private schools, and there are the public schools, and they all have different spring breaks. So that becomes the scheduling piece, and the weather becomes the scheduling issue. So I would say, well, I'd love to have two tennis seasons. I don't know that they'll allow that because it's within one school year, but they've made some other accommodating factors regarding the you know, seasons. So I would love it. I think it would be great, but make sure that we have our championship and our tournaments in the same season in which we compete. Yeah. They're saying that uh, if everything, if the four seasons happen, um, that season four, which will be April 26th through June 27th, that would be the official tennis, uh, fast pitch, softball, track and field, baseball, golf, boy, soccer, uh, season, um, Scott, yeah. um, I've, I've done and a bunch of... And it would go a week past school, by the way. And there's, that's enough. I'm sorry, Will. I know no, I interrupted no, you, no, but okay. then the championship and state and everything uh, would go past a, a week past the last day of school, which in the past uh, violates WIAA rules mm. that the championship state has to wrap up before the end of school, uh, before graduation. And graduations are generally a week or 10 days prior to the actual official last day of school, depending on where you go to school. So uh, they they would need to have a waiver for the tournament season for spring sports because it will go a week past the official last day of school. 
There are no rules, so it's uh, it's okay. Twenty twenty, <laughs> no rules. Okay. It, it it doesn't okay. matter. <laughs> you 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 walk around. I can walk down, up and down the block, and go to uh, QFC uh, in my bathrobe with flip flops. Uh, last week, I spent almost every on. day in in my bathing suit uh, because I was going kayaking. <laughs> no. I was just walking around. I was zap zap. No rules. <laughs> It's just no rules, and nobody, you know, bats an eye. Um, down the block from me, I swear, it's it's hysterical. Um, my neighbors have three kids, and the oldest yeah. one is about seven years old. And oh my! There, I there's about eighty six toys in the front lawn, and there's chalk. <laughs> Everywhere there's chalk on the house, on the door, in the driveway. There's stuff everywhere. A grandma is chasing kids up and down the blocks, and I'm just like, "This is fine. This is fine." Um, hey Scott, what, one of the hardest things I did, um, you know, I've, I've been coach, assistant coach on a bunch of different programs. One of the hardest things I had to do was figure out fields. <laughs> is yeah. trying to secure fields if foot if fall and winter sports don't happen and they get pushed to spring and you've got uh soccer football uh cross country uh lacrosse everything that's happening what did that what does that do to a school the program and does the ad just quit before it even starts well funny you said that i i sit on the seattle sports advisory uh council and um we you know we, we and our advisor council comes seattle public schools and seattle parks and recreation and if you know anything about that joint use agreement that works with those two those two entities you already know the tension and i know dory knows what i'm talking about when when it comes mm-hmm. to those things um you know uh well i, I you know who really who i feel sorry for are my buddies that run the sports, you know, field, you know, scheduling. Because not only who you have just named all that, think about now it's 2021 and all the youth soccer programs, all the youth football. I, oh, I don't mean, know what those, I don't Which all, we don't. All yeah. that stuff is going to try to get on the field at one time. How is that going to happen? It is going to be mayhem out there. And there, you know, I know they've kicked the, you know, all the permitting and all that's out the door and nobody's, you know, they're all waiting. I mean, there's arguments about, I don't know if you know the story, but they're talking about redoing Green Lake right next to the baseball field. I do. Well, they want, you know, and the Lincoln High School coach wants it to be a football field, obviously, because it benefits him because it's right down the street. He could have a football field. Well, they don't want to put up, you know, the netting they need and all the things. I mean, it's just it, the round robin is ridiculous on that whole thing. Having said well, that, they also, wait. go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 go. Well, what I'm saying is, I, I mean, I, I just look at the scheduling alone. And I, I, I mean, you know, with, with us pushing back the high schools later in the afternoon, how is that working? Um, getting these kids out on time. The way it works, technically, you respond. I mean, even as a high school coach, I would still have to go out and I would have to get my time approved even though it's at my high school because of the way the joint use yeah. works with Seattle Parks and Rec. So you can imagine you're the AD. Now you have to even ask for your own time in your own school and your own gym and your own football field and your own baseball field versus yeah. the rest of the community and the club teams and things like that. It's it's going to be mayhem. And I I, ooh, I cringe at the thought of having to be a, the guy person head of the fields and scheduling and parks. Yeah. And, you know, it's because it's all going to get pushed back. And, you know, that's even for the thing that, you know, um, you know what? What are the youth youth little pee wee football programs going to do? How are they going to handle this? What are they are they well, going to put the you know do what they should do? Put the white flag up and just kick it to the spring and move it on? They, but boy, I you know I, I, I see I see the money mongers they, in the whole situation personally. Go ahead. The, the, well, for the youth football, um, the city league football, the, mm-hmm. they just need to they can have go ahead and 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 have some practices and these things, but have it as a like a skills camp, okay? Don't lose your season because you can't pad up. Go out there and have a skills camp uh, right now. And, and one thing that you did mention, Scott, which, yes, I've been down that road trying to get permits. And, and as a tennis coach, um, you know, you, we, we work, our, our courts are 
Seattle Parks Court at Meadowbrook, mm-hmm. even though they're on the, they're at the facility where the Nathan Hill High School is. And I will tell you this though, that as soon as there was a change in who was the contact person at Seattle Parks, and it's all happened at Amy V Tennis Center, mm-hmm. once Matthew looked, became the head of, of all tennis, I cannot tell you how much smoother it has been an absolute pleasure to do work with him and to get the permits. And they are the ones that are, that opened up the court and gave us a, and allowed us to have a permit for open session on tennis for the summer, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays for a, a month and a half because uh, at, at our permit rate, which for high schools is there's no cost. Yeah. So I will just tell you, it's that, that's been awesome. The other part is that Nathan Hale football field is under uh, renovation right now. The entire field is torn up. And all kinds of construction is going on there. And this was a renovation that was pre-scheduled prior to COVID. Sure. So uh, that has reduced the number of fields that once fields were open, that's reduced yeah. the number of fields as well. And yeah. regarding... Any kind of youth, select, any of that, uh, especially with soccer and basketball, a lot of those programs are on hold as well because of our governor saying what phase two looks like and what phase three allows. For players to be able to come to our open sessions right now, uh, they have to fill out a form. And it's an open session, meaning it's just not Nathan Hale players, it's, but it's open. So that it takes the Nathan Hale piece out of it. Mm-hmm. Just like if you had open court session, open sessions in a basketball gym in the off season. That, that's what it's, that's what it resembles. So, uh, and they, we have three courts at a, only a maximum of 12 players at a time. And it's because we can stay physically distanced and that we are wearing masks when we're, when we arrive, when we leave. And when I do any coaching, I have a mask on. And the players have masks on as well. So we're out there doing that part, but it's exactly what you said. It is very difficult to get teams on, players on, and now with everything happening. And, Will, you made a great point about the whole school piece. We're starting remotely in the fall. Uh, There's not been an extension on what that looks like, but I think we all know that going back and forth won't, won't be a very prudent decision. I'm so glad that this conversation has given me my uh, PTSD because uh, it is uh, <laughs> thinking about fields and and it, it's it's almost like a negotiation, and then when and then you get to a point where if you didn't get your fields, then you have to reach out to other coaches and other programs and saying, um, mm-hmm. can can we work something out? Can we use half the field? And and some of that stuff might be happening or would happen. Obviously, it's so far down the road. But if we you know if we think about it, if one of the possibilities is making deals with other schools. Say, hey, you take half the field, we'll scrimmage against one another. Uh, maybe reaching out to private schools um, that, that have football fields and trying to work out something with them and allocating money or not or handshake deal. Who knows what would happen? Or um, you know what I saw with some of our lacrosse programs where we couldn't get fields and we just kind of told the kids to meet us down at the public park and Hopefully we didn't get any trouble and just just run some yeah. drills back and forth. Um, it just makes things really interesting for lacrosse. Instead yeah. of going to a field, uh, let's find a, a school wall. We're gonna play wall ball. You know, we're gonna have yep. captains. You you just try to be creative. It just adds more stress to the coaches yeah. to figure out ways to get their programs up to speed to keep the kids engaged in the program, not feel like they're getting short change, that this program is, they're part of something that's less. So there's so many different things that the coaching staff, coaches, um, just everyone, administration that have to deal with, but this is what we're dealing with, right? And it's just, it's part of the normality. And I'm hoping as we speak and we communicate that everyone is going to do the same and any schools and any coaches that were rivals in the past kind of put that stuff aside for the better, you know, the betterment of the sport and the betterment of the kids and say, Hey, 
I don't like you. I haven't liked you for 10 years <laughs> or whatever the case may be, but we're going to find a way to coexist so we can yeah. get through this together. And if we ever get back to normality, then we could go back to the other side of the fence and then we could curse each other out and go after it. But for the time being, let's work together. Yeah. And finding those silver linings, Will, as, as we kind of come full circle with what are some of the really great things that we've seen or heard or experienced through COVID? And, and there are a lot of silver linings. And sometimes it's the mindset that needs to change and to find those silver linings because they're not right in front of our face anymore. You know, uh, as you just said, I mean, Roosevelt's supposed to be Nathan Hale and Roosevelt are supposed to be rivals. Well, we have some of the Roosevelt players because I know their parents and I know these kids coming out and joining us at this, at this tennis piece, right? Reaching out or from Ingram or from whomever, because the important part is let's get back to some sort of normalcy, whatever that looks like. And athletics tends to be that piece and sports tends to be that piece that brings people together for whatever reason. And every player, man, is leaving with a smile on their face because they had a good time on the courts and they're not stuck at home. Scott, last words. Well, yeah, I totally concur with both of you. Just one last thing I think it's important to bring up, especially when it comes to the football side. I've been reached out to about uh, maybe a dozen times this week about my opinion and and uh on this issue and i uh i'm just kind of frustrated to be honest with you that people would even think this but a lot of people are thinking that if oregon or idaho or the rest of the country that's still staying open for sports that their kid will move over there and go play football there in those states or down those places and while i can appreciate you wanting to have a season um i think you got to think about the bigger the implications to making those decisions i mean one kid i know wanted to maybe even go down to Florida. And wow. I'm not sure if you've watched the news lately, but Florida, Texas, and California are kind of a hotbed right now. You know, I know they're the hotbed of football, but they're also the hotbed for what's going on with this pandemic. So um, I don't think you'd really want to go there. And some of these programs that they want to go to, like I had one real blunt conversation with one dad. I said, you're going to go to a place where your kid may not even see the JV field. Yeah, You don't understand how good yeah. football that, that those, some of those places are how deep and how good that program is. And you're going to send your kid all the way down, chance to expose them, put them in a bad situation, probably have their season shut down anyways, and turn around and send them right back. And you're going to spend all that money for what? I said, your season's coming. Just wait. Just play your five or eight games, your six games. I don't know what that, I don't don't know what's going to look like, but just play with your guys. I mean, I I have a lot of respect for Sam Heward, the one that could stay with this thing. He could have easily gone. But, you know, he wants to play with those guys. It's one last who raw with his guys. It's the best time of your life. It's your high school. You're kind of responsible. Yep. But you don't have to be responsible. Your parents still pay for everything. It's the best time of your life. And if you're going to just waste it because you think you're going to go play football somewhere with guys you don't know anything about, you don't know anything about their culture, who they are, what they're about, what the place you're going to, to say you played football to get some film. The coaches know if you're good enough. If you're six six and – 315 pounds are going to run like a deer. They'll find you. I think you're going to get They'll recruited. Find you. I mean, they're going to get yeah. recruited. You know, if you're 5'11, 275, and don't run so good, I appreciate you wanting to get some film. They see, show you can really work hard and do some things. But play with your team. Your, your film will come out. Your time, you know, the, the the time to get recruited will be shorter, you know, not as long as a period. And I get the short change. I do get it. I mean, it sucks. It's It's not fun. But it's, you know, it's, no, it's not fun for anybody in this country right now. I mean, for any stretch of the, what you're thinking about in life, you know, can't see your family as much as you want, can't get to go do things you want and all those things. But it's, it's at the end of the day, at the end of the day, for me personally, it's a game. And, um, you know, we're lucky to chance the privilege to play it and treat it with respect and, and, and enjoy what you're doing. I, I just don't don't run around the country to say you play football. And, and that's my oh, because. Yeah, and because here's here's another thing a couple of high school coaches said in a conversation that I was having with them for football, and that is this. One player test positive on a high school football team, and they will shut it down. One. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Be, because they don't have the funds, they, they, they don't have those pieces to fight it. So 
all it would take is one. And I hope the WIA, obviously the WIAA is thinking that part as well. And that was, the, that was even in another state with somebody I was having a conversation with. So uh, anyway, I, I just, man, there's good stuff going on out there. People, hang tight, hang on, and go out and figure out what we can do instead of the list of what we can't do. Absolutely. Amen well, to that. Well, coming up, just to remind everybody, uh, the executive board uh, for the WIA is going to meet on July 28th, and I think we're going to get some answers, or they're going to kick the can down the road as far as uh, what's going to happen with season one, if it's going to take yeah. place in the fall, or if it's going to be moved to uh, the season three, which will be the March uh, through May season, and then all hell will break loose. Um, <laughs> so that'll be really interesting. And on the NCAA, the Board of Governors, they will uh, meet up again on August 4th to figure out what they're going to do with the fall. So we are getting really close uh, to the point of no return where people have to, and I and I think, and I'm stressing, if I could put it in capital letters, have to make decisions. It is no longer, we've hit it. <laughs> this is it. There's no more wiggle room. So those two important dates for high school here in Washington for the NCAA across the country, we're going to find out. And then that obviously affects our friends, our families, your steps on it. If there is no football in the fall, what he's going to do is he coming home and just everybody, you know, whether it's work, uh, what the fall and winter looks like, we're going to find out real soon uh, coming up with both organizations. Absolutely. All right, kitties. Good, good time. Great words. Great All right. words, Will. All right, Scott, Dory, you guys take care of yourself. Uh, thanks for listening to NYC. We're out.